0: It is good to be back in the Lord's house this morning. Assuming all hearts are free, we'll turn our attention to the Word of God at this time. And I would like to take our, for a scripture reading, uh, I would like to take it from two places. Um, The first place will be Matthew chapter 15, and we'll be uh, reading the first two verses out of Matthew chapter 15. And then, then we're going to go over and read. It's the exact same. Um, it's the exact same subset of scripture. But we're going to go over and read Mark's account of it uh, in Mark chapter seven, verses one through five. Matthew chapter fifteen, verses one through two. Then came Jesus. The, or then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, "Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders?" for they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And from Mark chapter 7 verse 1 through 5, we read this. Then came unto then came together unto him the, the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they had saw and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they, And when they came from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things were to be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And So we want to stop right there, and uh, we'd like to take for our thought this morning the struggle between the spiritual and the traditional. Because we know as men that we have got our own ways about us, don't we? and we see that exemplified in these passages of Scripture here but that among the family of man uh, man carves out things that they hold to or that that he holds to uh, that he deems necessary or worthy things that need to be done and and in this uh, sub, in these uh, cases of Scripture here uh, this one as it pertained to the Jews is they would not eat unless they had washed their hands now I don't know of many people that eat today without that they don't wash their hands especially after the last two years that we've gone through. But they would do it to a, uh, almost to a level that you would recognize today because they would not just wash their hands, right? They wouldn't just put their hands, get some soap on their hands and uh, wash them for 20 seconds and then wash the soap off. No, they would scrub their arms all the way up to the elbow, as if they were preparing for surgery. <laughs> uh, they did not just wash their hands, and and that was done with it. They all it, it would be up to the elbow that they would uh, that they would wash, and and they coupled with this also the uh, the washing of uh, the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and tables and. And so we see this uh uh this thing happening here, uh that these traditions are coming into play and, and, and these traditions that the, the not the the lack of observance of these traditions Right? These are the things that they're observing and they're having uh, that they're taking umbrage with with Christ and, and with his disciples uh, do I think they sat down and, and ate with unwashed hands Very likely probably did uh, could have could be that they just washed their hands and didn't wash in the manner that was traditionally re, uh, observed uh, every culture has its own traditions we know that uh, we can look at the, at the the Japanese tradition and it's completely opposite in a lot of ways uh, from what we would recognize as our own cultures and traditions Um, but nevertheless uh, when cultures and traditions get in the way of the spiritual, that's when they become a problem, don't they? And so I want to touch on this for just a minute. And I want to acknowledge first that there has to be a distinction made, isn't there, when we're talking about cultural and traditional things versus how it is with godly things. And we're going to look at a couple verses of Scripture here to explain that. This is what I tried to touch on a couple weeks ago when we touched on marriage I touched on it from the man's perspective and the in the ceremonial and the cultural uh, aspects of it from man's perspective versus God's perspective. And I think when we're studying the scriptures, when we're looking at something, we've got to break it down, don't we? From man's perspective and God's perspective because those two things always exist, don't they? And so we're going to look in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 through 9 and it says God says this through the prophet Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, my needs Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. So see, God's making a distinction here, isn't he? He's saying the ways of man are not the ways of God. <laughs> and uh, it's because these two things, they there are two roads uh, that, uh, well, actually, one is a road that has diverged off, uh, while the, with the other one is a straight road. Uh, and so, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. And then he uh, goes on in the ninth verse and he says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Uh, And so we have to look at this and say, okay, we can't break this down from... Uh, the most basic level they're, they're coming to the Lord and they're basing it off of earthly things aren't they and Jesus is basing his perspective off of spiritual things uh, they believe that what goes in the mouth defiles the man and Jesus doesn't believe that what goes in the mouth defiles the man he believes that what comes out of the mouth defiles the man uh, and we still see this happening today don't we uh, people believe uh, that what goes in the body will defile the body uh, and, uh, and, and will call you to die, or whatever, and that, and sometimes that's the case. Uh, I mean, with the, the, in the entire history of the world, uh, that's been the case, hasn't it? We don't have another minute promised to us in this world, uh, but we have to look at it and ask the question is this what, what is uh, the way that we're intended to live? Uh, we go back up uh, to the book to the to Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord says this, uh, he says, this is before God, obviously, that he destroyed the world with the flood. Uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now that's a reference to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is striving with man, meaning in a legal sense, uh, arguing with man over what is the correct way, what is the right way. He's really arguing with man over what is the truth. And that's where we really find the issue, isn't it? The Pharisees and the scribes, who were the most learned people in Jewish society, they were very well off. They would have been viewed as elite uh, in that society. And they, were, and they came from Jerusalem, so they would have been the elite of the elite. They would have been the best educated. Uh, they would have been uh, the most well off. And we're going to touch on that in just a minute. Meaning in a temporal, worldly sense, they had money. But they're going to find themselves at odds. But they find themselves here at odds with God, don't they? Because Jesus is God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. So back to Genesis 6.3, My spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. And so God says, man's a spirit, but just like I'm a spirit, but man's also flesh, right? And what had happened in the garden? Well, sin had entered into the flesh, and and that flesh is what corrupts. And so we see here uh, that uh, he's getting into this discourse uh, about the, the, the... the 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 relationship with uh, the traditionalism that the Pharisees and the scribes are holding to versus what Jesus is going to uh, uh, come at with, going to rebut them with, and so uh, it, tradition has its place. And I want to get to this first. Paul Paul talked quite a bit about tradition, and I'm going to pick a couple places out here where Paul talked about tradition. Over in the Galatians chapter one and verse fourteen, Paul speaking of the Jews' religion. Listen how Paul frames it. He's a Pharisee. He doesn't frame it as the religion of God, does he? Listen to how he frames this verse. And profited, speaking of himself, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation. Right? That's what he refers to the keeping the tradition of the fathers. He referred to it as their religion. When people say that they washed their hands religiously, that's what that means, isn't it? (laughs) And that's what they did. They they did those things religiously, meaning they did those things in in a manner in which it was really more of a superstition than anything else. If I had to equate it to anything today, it would be Christian's fear of the number 666. (laughs) I understand what Scripture is saying, but that thing is taken to a degree that it was never intended to be taken. They become superstitious of the number. And if they even see it in a phone number, I've known of people who have who have had that ring up as a cash register uh, for their total, and they've gone and got something else and paid more for, and the, than what they really needed, just so that their bill wasn't $6.66. That's just veering off into the world of the superstitious and absurd. That's not what God's talking about. That's what happens when we look at traditional things, and we're not spiritual in our lives. Instead, we're more about the, uh, about going about the process of doing works. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to look at You can see that here in Mark. Mark. This is why Mark gives you more of the backstory. Mark shows the ceremonial aspect of it. Uh, here he talks about the ceremonial aspect. He says, and when they come from market in verse 4 in Mark chapter 7, except they wash, unless they do the ceremony of washing their hands, that's the ceremonialism that was employed in it, uh, they eat not. And then the formalized stuff that comes into play with it, and many other things there be, which they have received to the hold, the washing of cups and pots, uh, that would have been a pitcher really, uh, something of that effect, something that holds water, a water pot. Right? The, the washing of cups and pots, uh, brazen vessels, or, or a dish, uh, that the food would be on, and of tables, which really would be a couch that they would sit on, uh, while they ate. Uh, and so, uh, and so we see this thing, or a sofa. And so we see that these ceremonial aspects and these formal aspects come into it, and that has bled over into Christian society today, exemplified in the person who goes and buys something else so that their bill isn't $6.66. <laughs> it veers off into the absurd. That's not spiritual. <laughs> That's not being spiritual, is it? That's being traditional. I've read it, and I'm going to do it to the letter, not to the Spirit. Spirit. That was the way the Pharisees conducted their lives. Paul, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, he says this, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Now, that's not philosophy in general. That's philosophy that veers outside the bounds of the guardrails of what's good for man. And we're going to talk about what those guardrails are here in just a minute because we're living in a day and an age where they've torn the guardrails down and people have veered off into every different direction believing that everything they do is justified, that there is no right and there is no wrong, but God has prescribed for man from the very beginning that there is a right and there is a wrong, isn't there? When Adam was in the garden, he prescribed it this way. Of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day thou eatest of it, you shall surely die. In other words, he said, you cannot eat the fruit, Adam. You can rest in the shade of it. <laughs> you can climb it. But what did Eve say when Satan tempted her? We can't eat it, and we can't even touch it. He didn't say you couldn't touch it, did he? He said don't eat it. See how you can add to the Scriptures? You can add to the Word of God? And so that's what happens oftentimes. And so then what happens is you worship the addition more than the actual Word of God. And the the addition becomes what causes your downfall, isn't it? That's what caused the the, the Pharisees and scribes downfall. So let's look here. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, which is what we're talking about. After the rudiments of the world or the elemental things of the world. Here he's talking about the law and not after Christ. Because in the area of Colossae and in Ephesus, there in the Lycus Valley, in what we would call modern-day Turkey, there was this concerted effort there to be able to merge in with Christianity the Jewish laws and customs. And the way that they went about trying to really put that in was through the observance of days and weeks and months and years, because the calendar aspect of it, they viewed as what would be the most, the easiest part to get him ensnared. And so we look at this in 2 Thessalonians, Paul goes on about the same topic of traditionalism and he says, therefore, brethren, stand fast. He's not against traditions. Look, I'm not against traditions as long as the, the traditions are founded and they're true and they're right and they're just. And Paul wasn't against traditions. He was against vain traditions. He was against vain philosophy. And so in 2 Thessalonians, he's going to come back and he's going to say, therefore, brethren, speaking to of the Church of Thessalonica, stand fast and hold the traditions. Listen to what he just said. He said, hold the traditions. Keep the traditions as uh, which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. In other words, the church, you continue to to do, uh, you continue to observe the gospel in the way that you received it. Don't veer off. Don't let somebody come in with a new doctrine or a new teaching and teach you what you knew was wrong, if you know it to be the truth. And now that's what we're really going to—that's what we're really going to talk about—is what is the truth? Because when traditionalism and spiritualism are are in combat in conflict, it's because the traditionalism saying I'm the truth. And the spiritual saying, "No, I'm the truth." And so there's this struggle between the two, and, and that's where you find the Pharisees. Second uh, Thessalonians in in chapter two, in verse fourteen. If we back up, he's going to tell you, he's going to tell you what the traditions are that you should hold. Uh, and he says this: He says, "Whereunto he called you by our gospel." Whereunto call, we call, he called you by our gospel, to uh, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he said, you, uh, when you got saved, Second Thessalonians chapter three verse six, he's going to say this. Now we commend, we command you. Brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So see, he doesn't he doesn't say that traditionalism isn't a part of it. He's actually saying that as long as the tradition is grounded and rooted in the spiritual, then it's to be maintained. It's when the tradition overrides the spiritual that it becomes a problem. And that's where we're going to focus on here we go back over and we look in, uh, uh, back in Matthew chapter uh, 15, now we're going to look at this, and, and Jesus is going to rebut. Uh, Jesus comes back in his rebuttal and says, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So what's the tradition? Washing of the hands, cups, pots, vessels. Tables? No, that's not the tradition that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is gonna to go to the moral law of God, isn't he? And he's gonna say, why do you, by your tradition, because you are, you are questioning me and my disciples on uh, breaking your traditions, the traditions of your fathers, uh, but you are coming to me and you are breaking the tradition of my father. <laughs> When I say the tradition of my father, the teachings of my father, the moral laws, those are the guardrails, aren't they? The gospel and the, and the laws of God provide the guardrails, and when something veers off out of the way, the guardrails' intended purpose is to keep it keep it in the road, right? So why do you transgress the commandment of God by your father, by your tradition? So verse four it says, For God commanded saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, but ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or mother or his mother it is a gift by by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me the and honor not his father and his mother he shall be free thus have ye made the commandment of god of none effect by your tradition so let's recap ha what he just said there he says but ye say, meaning in your, tre- your teachings, in your traditions, say this, whosoever shall say to his father or mother, it is a gift. This is referring to his, the, his their money, right and the financial commitment that they've made this is why mark is so good cuz he actually comes out and calls it what it is and that is the tradition of korban and so he in verse 11 in mark chapter 7 and so they come out they come back at their mother and their father and they say all of our money we've pledged to the temple it's a gift to the temple and we can't help you mom or dad there is not a worse thing than a child can do than to not help their parents out when they need it especially when it requires their money right if your parents aren't worth spending your money on you got a problem don't you My mom took care of her mom for 20 years, drove her back and forth, spent every day with her. It got really hard at the end. <laughs> Once grandmother got on dialysis and grandma got dialysis and and uh, that was a struggle and she was on it for almost 10 of those years. And it got really bad toward the end, and it would. Mom would have some very frustrating days, and she would get to a point where she just couldn't see the point of it all. And I said, the point of it all, Mom, is not so that you'll see the reward now. You'll see the reward later. <laughs> you'll see the reward when you get to heaven. Uh, because God will reward you for those things, uh, and uh, and here they're saying, "No, I'm going to keep my reward now in the present because I'm going to elevate my tradition over the Word of God." See, when you add the tradition into the traditional aspects in there, you end up worshiping the tradition if the tradition's not based on the truth of God. Uh, and so here uh, he says, "No, it's a gift. It's a gift." Uh, that whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father and his mother. So they just say, sorry, can't help you mom or dad. I'm free of the obligation because I've pledged all of my money to the temple. I still have access to it. I can still use it for everything that I need. Uh, it, in today's language, if we were to really look at this, it would, it would be exemplified this way. I've done all the requisite paperwork needed to be filed with the IRS and I've got my philanthropy, uh, 501c3 set up and I have pledged all of my money to that 501c3. <laughs> but I still have access to all of it. (laughs) That's the way they protect their money in it. And so he says, by doing this and keeping this tradition, you've made the commandment of God of none effect. And he says, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying this people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. Now I paraphrase that, but uh, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they do worship me, teaching for com- doctrines, the com- uh, c- the commandments of men. And so we want to go back and we want to close with this and say, well, what is, what is it that we're getting at? Paul, again, didn't discount tradition. He said, but the tradition has to be sound, doesn't he? Paul always said that the tradition needed to be found In sound doctrine. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to touch on a couple verses here and then we're going to close. 8 through 11, Paul telling telling Timothy, he says, We know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, but knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and the disobedient. And so, see right there, Paul says plainly, The law of God was given to rein in the lawless and the disobedient, to make sure that the lawless and the disobedient understood that there was a truth by which the world would be judged. Now that truth is manifested in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the judge. He will stand at the judgment bar one day. The books will be opened and we'll be judged out of the books. And then that last book will be opened, won't it? That book is the the Lamb's book of life and and that book is the one that determines whether or not you spend an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell, whether or not you are saved to the uttermost or whether you are condemned to everlasting punishment in fire. It's for the ungodly and the sinners it's for the unholy and the profane. Look, that's not He's not saying, He's not saying that we're not all born sinners, we are. <laughs> Every one of us have sinned. All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what matters is has God provided a covering for the sin. Just like he gave Adam when he left when he sent him out of the garden. It required blood to be shed, didn't it? He gave him a covering of animal, animal skin. Is the blood of Christ covering your sin? That's the question this morning. That's the question. Because look who's not, who it's not for. It's not for the unholy and the profane. It's not for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary, and this is what Paul says, all traditions should be weighed by. Anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. And sound doctrine falls within the guardrails, doesn't it? The prescribed guardrails that God has established. It, 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 it obeys the gospel. Because and it, it obeys the law because it obeys the gospel. It, it does not veer off away from the gospel. It follows the gospel as the as is taught. And, and so here he says, according to this glorious gospel of the blessed God, which which was committed to my trust. And then I want to move on. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 through 4. I'm just going to touch a couple verses. He said to Timothy, he said, but there will come a time, Timothy, and he's talking about churches. He said, there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, Right? But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Uh, and then in, verse, uh, in Titus chapter one verse 9, he says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may by sound doctrine both exhort and convince the gainsayers. You know how <laughs> you know how when you engage with somebody in a, in a conversation uh, how you how you frustrate them is you never move off your point. He says, Timothy, stay on point. Titus, stay on point. Even if nobody else will listen to you, stay on point. Only Only advocate for those things which become sound doctrine. They're not just proven out in terms of man, but you can see them throughout all of creation, can't you? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. See, even nature declares the glory and goodness of God. The truth of God should always dictate our traditions and not the other way around. Should always dictate our traditions. John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy truth. Well, everybody wants to speak their truth nowadays, don't they? And truth has become subjective, isn't it? In the process of truth becoming subjective, society has gone mad. We've got to stay in the guardrails. We've got to stay, we've got to follow the gospel. We've got to follow the word of God. We've got to do what he's telling us to do. Why is that? Because thy word is Truth. There is an objective truth. I read an article where they said objective journalism has died. Well, you can't have objective journalism if there's no objective truth. Everything's going to be from the perspective of my truth. Lastly, lastly. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto uh, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith faith. Folks, you, you're, you may be here today and you may think that I get to dictate my life. You're going to answer to God one day it, whether it's in this world or it's after you draw your last breath because after you die you will, your soul goes back to the one who gave it And you will stand before God, because it is once appointed unto man to die, and after that the judgment. And you will stand before God, and you will look at him, and you will say, but I lived my truth. And God will say, your truth doesn't matter. It was my truth that mattered. (laughs) It was my truth that was going to determine whether or not you lived or died. the rich man when he died he didn't he didn't he he wasn't worried about his truth in hell was he <laughs> He wasn't in hell yelling, but I lived my truth, was he? He was in hell yelling, I'm in torment in these flames. Send Lazarus that he might dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in torment in these flames. That's what you have to escape from today. You can choose, you can, you can look at life and you can say, I'm going to choose what truth is. You do that and you're going to be in violation. You're going to be in rebellion against God. You're going to be in open rebellion against God, and that never turns out well. Just ask the people, uh, just ask the builders of the tower at Babel. Didn't end well for them. An open rebellion against God. That's uh that's our message this morning. We need to be spiritual. We can have our traditions and our traditions are fine. But we need to be spiritual. Look at what's happened to the world as the spiritual nature has receded in man. And this reductive, regressive belief that everything can be filtered down to one small truth. Folks, I just said that everything gets filtered down to that God is the truth. And you say, well, that may be doing the same thing. No, God's truth is expansive. (laughs) It covers everything everything. It covers everything that is in the world and everything that is not in the world. The world was created out of nothing, and God spoke it into existence. That's our message this morning. Brother Williams, if you've got a song. a song. stand and number 11, 11, same book, same book, number 11.